0: I am that guy who catches up on football games, basketball games, via highlights on Twitter. This is Steve, and you're listening to Ministry During the Disruption. Everybody, welcome back to the podcast. We're going to be talking about basketball and highlight reels today. And joining us on the show is our senior da-da-dun, da-da-dun, correspondent,
1: Kyle Lee. Oh man, that that brings me lots of nostalgic memories. I do love the da 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 or the bum 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 bum. I wonder how you're going to put that in the show notes. <laughs> the da-da-da. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'll, have to, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. I'm, I'm our senior da-da-da correspondent after all. I'll figure it out.
0: For those of you who are not fans of SportsCenter, those are references to some of the sounds that are played on that iconic television show, which is wonderful. And Kyle, I think you have a take for us about the very
1: epiphenomenon that Sports Center epitomizes. Yeah, so stuff like Sports Center, House of Highlights, my take is that I think the coverage of sports, but especially like the NBA and not the major, major, like not the NFL, but like all the other ones, I think it's too good. I think it's too good. And I think that's actually hurting the product. You think the coverage is hurting the product? Yeah, so I think our highlight culture is creating a space where we don't actually watch any of these games. You know, I'll tell you, I
0: don't know that I would blame that on the coverage of the sports. I mean, I don't watch TV shows just sitting and watching TV shows. I watch TV shows while doing something else, while eating, while answering email, while playing games on my phone. And that's not about the games. That's about me. That's not about the
1: coverage. That's about me. Well, okay. so I think this is also so one just just so we're aware, right, during lots of people. When the pandemic started, we're like, "Ooh, when sports come back, it's going to be a huge boon for sports because the ratings are going to go up because no one, people have nothing else to do, they're going to just crave sports." And in fact, that's not that's the opposite. Lots of ratings for sports have gone down, and even as we're coming out of the pandemic, sports ratings still down, right? And viewership across the board for like the Kentucky Derby, for the NBA Finals, for for different sporting events, just down. And we don't really know why. I'll tell you why the Kentucky Derby
0: viewership is down is because people had derby parties where they would get together and they would watch the derby and they would bet on the races. And you literally could kill someone doing that this year. Like, I I don't I I really I don't know that the issue is with the sports or the coverage. Kyle, you're going to have to
1: convince me of this. There's so many factors here. But one thing that I would love to talk about. And I want to consider is that a major contributing factor is that there's too much stuff out there. There's too many highlights. There's too much great recaps, etc. cetera. So, for example, I'm a huge Boston Celtics fan. And honestly, this season has been really upsetting. But
0: yeah, I'm really I'm sorry. The Lord have mercy on you and your household after this week.
1: I mean, I mean, uh, like well, all these injuries, we can never get it together. But guess what? Like I also like in a regular year, I'd watch maybe 20, 30 games on television a season. This year, I probably watched like 10. Some of that's because I've I've been busy, but some of it's because I've just discovered on YouTube that the NBA themselves puts out a nine to eight to nine minute highlight reel of everything that happened, the most important things that happened in the last Celtics game. And it comes out like an hour after the game. Oh, I,
0: I remember right? when they did that for baseball, where they had this thing where you could just watch the highlights of the baseball, just watch the pitches and the hits and the people
1: running. So like the footage of that is like 30 seconds because that's yeah. what...
0: It's literally I think it's like you could watch a four hour game in five minutes.
1: Yeah. Right. And like, that's like insane. But also th- at that point, right, unless I'm a diehard fan who loves watching free throws, right, or likes watching the, the third pitcher come in on the seventh inning like, and just throw four pitches. Like, why wouldn't I watch the five minute version of the baseball game or the 10 minute version of the basketball game? And I think it's hurting the product. Like, I think it's like, why would I watch the actual sport? That, that's one of these things that's causing crisis, right? For these leagues where all their money comes from, all the money comes from ads shown in games and other things like that. And like, why would I go? Why would I even go to, in person to the baseball game or the basketball game to watch it when I could watch a five minute highlight on the subway ride instead?
0: Well, and that's, and that's the difference between us as participants and us as consumers. When I go to a baseball game, which is, to be honest, the only way I consume and interact with baseball is I go to games. And when I go to games, I have a great time with my friends. We hang out, we talk. I cannot watch a baseball game on TV. I wouldn't even watch the highlight reels on TV because I don't care about baseball because I don't think baseball deserves to be called a sport. That's a different take, maybe for a different episode. But here's the thing. When it's something that we're participating in, we're cheering for our team, we're in it with them. We're the sixth man or the 12th man or like, like we're a a member of the universe that is pulling our team together. When we're watching it with friends, it changes the experience. It's a different experience when I'm watching the highlight reel than
1: when I'm watching the game with a friend. Right. I think there's a couple a couple things here, too. So one major criticism that you can talk about, especially, you know, I'm a huge fan of the NBA. But one major criticism of the NBA is fans of the NBA teams aren't fun. They, they, it's kind of, they kind of suck, right, comparatively. And what I think people are comparing it to is your collegiate experience, right? And as much as I hate and think that, you know, your Duke heritage is, is just one of your many sins there, Steve, of, like watching college basketball with your college in college is like a very awesome experience because everybody's rooting for the team right? You all know the players. Sometimes you go to class with them. I live right next door to some of the players who won the NCAA championship with for the UVA Wahoos in 2019. I live right next to those guys. And like, I served them at Chipotle when I worked there. Like, like I know these guys and I'm, seeing them in the national championship was incredibly exciting. Or like watching the national soccer championship in 2018, I think, for men's soccer, I, I was my partner in my acting class was the guy who, who was one of the guys on the team. Right. So I'm like freaking out for my friend, Wes, who's winning this championship right there. Right. And that experience is super exhilarating. Right. And it's totally different than any other experience. So what does this mean for us in ministry during the disruption? Well, okay, first, there's this big, broad Jesus thing that I can think about. And then maybe you can help me come down to to more to Earth. Right. I hear Steve. But like, okay. the youth pastor says type of thing, which if I was gonna be this would be I'd be like, all right, kids, youth pastor says you can't just talk about Jesus. You have to actually experience Jesus. And that that to me is kind of indicative of what we're talking about here. But also, I think there's a lot of lot of things where we could just talk about ministry and we're not doing anything. Like, or you know, we're too we're too paralyzed to do anything else. Well,
0: actually, I can say that. Talking about ministry is at times a substitute for actually doing ministry, right? There are times where we talk about how we're going to go out and share the gospel. We talk about apologetics. We talk about reaching out to new people and then never do it. We talk about praying for someone and then never do it. And talking is doing something. And so if you have this nagging sense of duty and obligation driving you, I should be doing something. Talking about it kind of scratches that itch. Yeah. And it's the same way with sports, actually. You know, I, I've got four kids. I'm not able to watch a lot of Duke basketball games, but I feel like I should know what's happening. So I hop on Twitter and I watch the highlight reels, and that's and that's not necessarily what I want to do, but it is enough to satisfy that that
1: inner voice that says I should be keeping up. I should do something. So with that inner voice as well, I'm going to talk about that for really quick. Like who is telling you that you should do, do something right. Is that Jesus? Right. Or is that you? Like, I know for me, when I was in college, I just wanted to do, I, I wanted to get my quote unquote degree in university and I wanted to just do all this stuff. Why did I want to do that? One, because I liked, liked the university, I liked Jesus, I liked my friends, I liked doing ministry. And obviously I, now I liked it enough to to jump on staff at university. But also, it's because I was like, oh man, I should be doing these things because they gotta, I gotta, if I'm not doing them, I'm not being a good Christian or like someone is going to miss out on the gospel. Right. And there's some truth to that. But at the same time, Jesus doesn't need any of us to, to spread the gospel or to reach my campus. He just wants us to participate so that we get to experience it along with him in a very different way. So that inner voice oftentimes is just us like afraid of, of our liminality as as opposed to our limited nature, as opposed to actually being, you know, actually following Jesus and doing something good. And I think along with that,
0: there is something about the highlight reel which fuels this unhealthy motivation for us in ministry, when we see other people's highlight reels, you you see someone's Instagram page and they're constantly like they're on stage and they're preaching. Yeah. You see picture after picture after picture of them preaching, or you kind of hear these testimonies from these people who just, they, they jumped from the foul line and they, dunked as a chapter planter. And it was awesome. They kind of broke the backboard, you know, glass rained down on them. 50 people got saved during a pandemic. Just like, wow, that's amazing. Like we see other people's
1: highlight reels and it changes how we play the game in ministry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a couple of examples here too, that I can think of from a sports metaphor and then we'll go back to ministry. Right. So, like, people talk about in basketball, like Stephen Curry, who's able to hit threes, three-pointers at ridiculous rates from all over the all over the field, right? All over the court. Should I, as a pickup basketball player, try to be like Steph Curry? No, because I can't hit threes like him. In fact, if I tried to shoot like him, people would get really mad at me because I would be playing bad basketball. In the same way, if I was trying to play football, Patrick Mahomes can throw these no-look football passes. Nobody should try that except for somebody who's on his level. And or who has the talents and skills and opportunity to do so, right? In the same way in ministry, there's plenty of, of things where I could see, like, my for example, one of my friends, Ariana, has had this amazing experience where she's talking to these multi-ethnic, multi-diverse group of people who are, who are like, and like helping them with, when praying over them over the phone and FaceTime and, and seeing them saved in real time. And I'm like, oh man, maybe I should be doing something like that. But guess what? Ariana is really good. Caring for people and doing these things, and she's leading into her talents, and she connected it with all these students via Instagram. And I like have no idea how to use Instagram. Like, should I be leading into that, or should I be leading into, you know, helping doing something else that I'm good at? I think there's a total comparison game we can play that makes me, us feel inferior and then drives us to do more stuff.
0: Well, and one of the ways that Our kind of cognitive fallacies play into this is we find ourselves comparing ourselves to the number one or number two in a category. So we find the best person in the world that we know at something. And we compare ourselves to them, so the the person who is is the most gifted in prayer or the most gifted in preaching or the most gifted in evangelism. you know if you're uh, an inner varsity student, maybe it's that senior in your chapter who is just this like incredibly talented worship leader, and you compare yourself to them as they are now. And when we do that, when we start comparing ourselves to high performing people, in that one category where they're high performers. We set ourselves up for disappointment and for unhealthy drives to push us in ministry. And I can say this isn't just true for us as individuals, it's true for whole ministries. I've talked to campus minister after campus minister, student leader, volunteer, faculty, and many times I'll hear people say, this is what InterVarsity is like on my campus. There's a bigger campus ministry than us, or there's a campus ministry than us that's doing more evangelism. And you start to hear that comparison and you start to hear an insecurity emerge from that comparison instead of the sense of we're all in the kingdom together. We all have a role to play. You know, we, we, we all bring unique gifts to the table, one body, many parts, and we let other people's highlight reels
1: pull us away from our unique contribution to the kingdom right it, now no this is not like an endorsement of just being lazy right like we we want to look at other people and when we when we look at other organizations and missions and ministries and even just you know what any any organization doing something there's, there's stuff to learn right but it doesn't mean that we should operate out of a place as if we if we don't aren't constantly learning if we aren't constantly innovating. If we aren't constantly on the cutting edge, or we aren't number one, number two in our category, God can't use us or we're failing, right? That's not what Jesus says at all. Jesus qualifies Peter by saying, hey, your qualification is knowing that you're not qualified. And that's it. <laughs> that's basically it, right? And so we, it is not, it is not the comparison is, is, is uh, we can never compare ourselves in order to understand how, what we could do better, but it is not out of a place of insecurity or, or loss.
0: So what we would want to encourage you today, if you're engaged in ministry during the disruption, maybe you're going into the summer and you're trying to figure out is what does ministry look like now? Or you're thinking about the fall and you're trying to figure out what does ministry look like now? Don't look at other people's highlight reels as your sum total guidance as to what you should be doing. Don't let the hero stories that circulate throughout your ministry world. Don't let those hero stories cloud your desire to hear directly from Jesus. The most significant thing we can do in ministry strategy during the disruption is to connect with
1: Jesus. Hear his voice, do what he says. Yeah, and recently, just because we might as well plug it, I feel like I was going through a course in our ministry playbook where, oh, that's today's sponsor. Oh, really? What a coincidence. And we, and as I was taking this course, I put all these quotes from it, listening and learning and thinking about ways that if if we can depend on the Holy Spirit as we do ministry, then our ministry, by definition, is successful. Because the success of ministry is not numbers or statistics or how cool of a story you get. It's faithfulness. And that's one of the huge parts of the course. And I would really recommend it. I think that is our key step here to depend on the Holy Spirit to gain insight. Because guess what? Right? Who's the hero of our story? It's not you, it's not me. It's not our it's not your staff worker. It's not the student leader. It's not that super awesome person you want to reach. It's Jesus. Jesus is the hero of our story. And if he's the hero, he gets to be the hero. Then we should probably back him up and we should, we should probably get on board with wherever he's going. And in order to go where he's going, you got to depend on the Holy Spirit. Yeah,
0: you know, I think that principle, um, success is faithfulness. Faithfulness is success. I love that some of my students over the years might recognize that phrase as something that I've used on campus for years and years. And I'll actually let people in a little secret inside knowledge. I actually had a chance to help write that course before the pandemic. And Thinking about some of the things that we included in that course shaped how I entered into this disruption well over a year ago. So I would highly encourage you to check out the Ministry Playbook. You can find it at theministryplaybook.com. It's full of great courses to help you level up your ministry game. And if you want to follow them on Instagram and see these quotes and concepts that Kyle is drawing from, you can find those over at. At the Ministry Playbook on Instagram, and Kyle, if people are on Instagram anyway, following the Ministry Playbook, looking at those quotes that you're finding, and and sharing
1: on the gram, what else should they do? They should probably also, just a minor suggestion, but you should also probably check out the Ministry During Disruption Instagram, where you could follow all of us as we share resources and cool ideas of what's going on. We can connect you with other ministries and see what's what's going on around the country.
0: Yeah, we, we follow lots and lots of ministry accounts and we share things that we see that they're doing that are innovative. We coach people through that space. We don't post very often, but we offer tremendous value through our stories and through our direct messages. So would love, love, love for you to follow us at Ministry During the Disruption on Instagram and Go ahead and share this episode with someone who would like it. Subscribe so that you can catch future episodes and we will catch you next week.